0: 630 Chad afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at two on 630 Chad. Well, we have seen over the past year the different experiences those diagnosed with COVID 19 have. Some have Mild symptoms, some have had no symptoms, some have had severe symptoms, some need to be hospitalized, and we know more than 22,000 Canadians have died from COVID. But what about those who've had the virus and are still suffering with long term side effects? They've uh, come to be known as COVID long haulers, months after being told that they are COVID free. Uh, They still have, in some cases, fatigue, body aches, shortness of breath, headache, difficulty sleeping, loss of taste and smell, and more. And I've had a number of members of Chedville uh, texting in saying, hey, can you do something on this? Because I am going through this. My wife is going through this. Well, research is underway into what's going on. Some of it's being done right here in Edmonton. Dr. Grace Lamb is an assistant professor in pulmonary medicine, and uh, clinician, uh, clinician scientist at the U of A. She is one of two co-directors of the post-COVID clinic. Dr. Lamb, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I am just fascinated by this, and uh, obviously you are as well, especially if you have people in your life and you've talked to them who have gone through COVID, and you're like, "What? you still have things going on afterwards. Give us an idea, Dr. Lamb. You know, what was the impetus? What was kind of the the push to get these these clinics started? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, So this really dated back to April of last year, Uh, when uh, some early discussions we had in our division of pulmonary pulmonary medicine where we looked back at our experiences with SARS um, and to a lesser degree MERS where we had seen patients um, after they had recovered from the acute viral illness having lingering effects of uh, shortness of breath fatigue And a lot of them have abnormalities on lung function testing or imaging finding that lasts for uh, months after they've recovered. And so based on that experience, we anticipated that with SARS-CoV-2 COVID that we would see a similar thing and so that's why in June we launched the clinic um, specifically dedicated to seeing these patients um, who might have uh, uh, symptoms persistent symptoms uh, long after their acute infection resolved.
0: And Dr. Lamb, what are you seeing at the clinic? What are the symptoms? What are those, and I'm going to call it the long hauler symptoms, Mm -hmm. just so, uh, you know, what are are, are the, the, you know, the the ones that you're seeing the most and in who? Is there a wide age range or is it a specific age range, men, women? Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. So in terms
0: of the gamut
1: of symptoms, Certainly, the most common is shortness of breath uh, when people are trying to exert themselves or move, um, followed closely by symptoms of fatigue. So people uh, saying that they just don't have the same oomph for the energy to do the, the the small tasks around the house or to go on about their daily lives.
0: And, and, and sorry, no, go and, ahead. I'm going to let you finish. And, and,
1: to answer your other question is that the shocking thing is that the patients that are being seen in our clinic and it is reflected in uh, patients seen worldwide as well in in published literature that we're seeing actually quite a young demographic so patients less than 60 years of age and in fact when you when we looked at the average age of our clinic um, it is actually 49 years of age and so these are patients who are actively working um, having full functional lives and yet after the infection they're having a lot of difficulty functioning or in some cases returning to work so that tells us that their previous functional baseline they they can't get back to it um, months after the infection
0: so i'm wondering if there were um you know causes for concern before they they got covid that might be impacting it i mean we talk about when it comes to death comorbidities that sort of thing but i'm wondering in the in 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 the, in the people that you're seeing at the clinic i mean were they considered would they have considered themselves to be fairly healthy healthy or you know do we have diabetes do we have obesity do we have high blood pressure is that playing a role in it at all hmm
1: so in terms of the, the majority of our patients I would have to say that uh, by and large um, Healthy individuals are the ones coming to this clinic and saying that they have these symptoms. Now, of course, those that yeah. have these comorbidities, they're more likely to get the infection and they're more likely to have um, worse acute symptoms. And so, certainly, we do see those patients developing long COVID or becoming long haulers, as you call them. Um, but um, you know, even if you're healthy patients can still be susceptible and still have these symptoms.
0: You talk about the shortness of breath and fatigue being two of the, 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 the main long COVID symptoms could could the fatigue be associated or similar to um you know chronic fatigue syndrome those kind of syndromes that we see um talked about elsewhere and in in other in other folks
1: absolutely so this is a focus of a lot of investigation and uh certainly the nih and the cdc in the states um have uh, a particular interest in this topic and dr fauci also talked about uh the 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 burden of fatigue in these post-COVID patients um, that look quite reminiscent of patients with chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, And so certainly uh, the, the constellation of symptoms is quite similar and does overlap. The mechanism of how these patients develop these symptoms we're still not quite sure about that and so perhaps there could be underlying pathways that are similar in both conditions Um, but uh, certainly even here locally and this is a topic that uh, we are quite interested in and we'll be pursuing further research into
0: have you been able to and I'm guessing, you know, the work is is really just started. To be honest with you, I mean, the clinic opened mm-hmm. up in June, and and we're still learning so much about about uh, about COVID and the impact on on bodies. But. Um, are, and and we just touched on them you said you know a majority of them are are healthy but it, isn't it interesting that some people end up with you know they get sick with covid and they don't have any they may, they may be asymptomatic some people get sick and they have symptoms other people are in a hospital and you know uh, of course we know that some people die f- die from from covid as well but um Why do we know why some people are having, or what do we know about why some people are having uh, long-term symptoms and others aren't at all? Yeah, any any idea yet?
1: Yeah, that's, I think, a million-dollar question, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So what I can say is that, doesn't seem to matter whether the patient has little symptoms during the acute infection or those that require hospitalization during um, their acute infection. So regardless of the severity of your initial symptoms, that doesn't seem to have much bearing on whether you will develop long uh, COVID symptoms or not. And so a way to think about it is that even if you are um, mildly symptomatic and you feel you got over it in, in you know, a, a couple of weeks. We have seen patients in the clinic who then tell us, well, I, I thought everything went away and uh, I went back to work. And when I exerted myself, that's when I noticed the limitation or I, I'm just not as sharp as I used to be. And, you know, I'm 40, I, I have a high-functioning career and mm-hmm. other people don't notice it, but I know that I am just not where I used to be. And they're saying this months after. So why them and not their counterpart of an equal age, that we just don't know. And and the long and the short of it is that it doesn't seem to be affected by what comorbidities that they have or how sick they got initially.
0: All right, we're talking with Dr. Grace Lamb, who is one of two co-directors of the post-COVID clinic here in Edmonton. A couple of the uh, clinics have opened up in Alberta, opened up in June. And boy, oh boy, so much work ahead as they try to figure out, you know, uh, and learn more about what is going on with long Covid. Some people recover just fine. Others reporting symptoms that last a very long time. Doctor Lam, is there a is there a time frame and how long these symptoms are traditionally lasting? Is it a couple of months, four months? Do we uh, is there an average? Yeah, great question. So based on what has been reported out there, there's been a
1: couple of papers. Uh, one of which is from China. Um, so that's where presumably the, the first patients were um, uh, affected, um, they have published uh, a long-term study showing that at six months after uh, they were discharged from the hospital, um, roughly 60 to 70% of patients were still complaining of symptoms like wow. fatigue and shortness of breath. And so, you know, in terms of the tail end of, of these symptoms, is it, anybody's guess um based on what we have seen in SARS and MERS, uh, their post-viral syndrome uh, could have been reported to last uh, beyond a year. And so that's what we're anticipating um, that we might see here. But in terms of what's been proven, um, nothing sort of uh, longer than six months in terms of these um, published studies. I think um, in um, news articles, there's certainly been anecdotal reports of patients uh, similarly one year out from the uh, acute infection and still having um, uh, these symptoms.
0: So here's the big question, Dr. Lamb. What about treatment? Is anything showing any success? What is being used or what can be used with uh, long COVID patients? What about, Does getting vaccinated help? Yeah. So in
1: terms of treatments right now, Starting off with the um, non-pharmacologic modalities, Uh so things like rehabilitation, that is right now what is recommended by guidelines worldwide. Now th- this is all based on expert opinion. There hasn't been high quality randomized controlled trials to show patient improvement uh, with or without this um, uh, rehab but that again, just with the same theme with everything else um, that there is active research into the area but regardless, experts around the world is suggesting rehab and this will uh, is is thought to improve. Uh, conditioning, improve strength, improve um, the, the fatigue, and over time would help with the shortness of breath as endurance is built. In terms of medical treatments? Yeah again there there isn't anything that's proven yet there is a small study that didn't have um, um, an adequate control arm but they did report that the small study out of the UK did report that patients uh, who were put on um, uh, uh, steroids um, had um, improvements in their symptoms um, uh, with this uh, use now I certainly didn't you know wouldn't recommend people jump on this um, particular therapy just because just like any other medications um, there is always a flip side that there is the side effect profile and you know steroids isn't something to to, to trifle with uh-huh. and so uh, you know it's something that perhaps a select group of patients might gain benefit but I think, the, the science is just not completely there yet for us to make any recommendations. But on the flip side, um, I think one can say that uh, if this is a, um, an area that there's a lot of interest in. And I'm sure in the, in, in the next days, months, um, we will get more information on whether this is truly effective or maybe some other candidate would be better suited for the long haulers.
0: Yeah, so much still to learn. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there like, okay, just fix it. (laughs) I want it fixed. I want to feel better. So before I let you go, Dr. Lam, how if if someone listening right now is, you know, dealing with long COVID and and maybe wanted to help with uh, the research into what's going on, how does one get involved with the long COVID clinic? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So in terms of Patients that have symptoms, so starting with the clinical care, if you're having symptoms or you're just not quite sure um, whether there is anything that needs to be done or if you're suffering in any way, the first point of contact is touching base with your family doctor. Yeah. And your family doctor can then, based on your symptoms, and uh, can triage and say, well, maybe sending you to be seen by the uh, uh, post, COVID clinic would be helpful and so that's what we're here for and through the clinic um, we will be able to connect um, uh, the interested parties to uh, various research projects that we may be running Um, and so that's one way um, if you have symptoms you can get care and if you want to take that extra step and participate in research that's available through our clinic as well.
0: Dr. Lam, um, just really interesting stuff. Thanks for joining me, making time for the chat this afternoon. Really appreciate it. I know a lot of my listeners were having a lot of questions about this, so I sure thank you for uh, for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. Let's talk again in the future. Absolutely, and thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, take care now. Dr. Grace Lamb take this care. afternoon. Yeah, Okay. she is an assistant professor in pulmonary medicine, a clinician scientist at the U of A, one of two co-directors of the post-COVID clinic. There's a couple of these clinics that, have, uh, that are, are now in place uh, in the province. So, um, but yeah, starting from... You know, dealing with uh, the first SARS and MERS, seeing that they knew that there was some acute viral issues, some abnormalities in lungs, thought, okay, well, we need to prepare and take a look at what could happen with uh, SARS-CoV-2, right? The COVID that's, that, that we have right now. So that is what they are doing. Again, as you heard, I know some of you would be like, "How do I get in on this? How can I, how can I be a part of this?" Uh, talk to your GP first.